This chapter, chapter 25, we've been sharing with you uh, the power in the parables. We've been looking at the parables that the Lord has laid upon our heart and just sharing with you, digging into them a little bit deeper. And this parable in chapter 25 is actually uh, the end of a long answer to a very short question. Uh, the actual question is found in chapter 24, verse 3. And here's the question. I'll read it to you. If you have your Bibles open, you can turn there. If not, you can trust me to read it correctly. The, the disciples asked him a question in verse 3. Uh, they set up on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be? That's everything mentioned previous to chapter 24. And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? They were wanting to know the age-old question that still rings true today, when's the end of the world coming? And I guess what even, maybe, um, what, what I struggle with even is he takes two chapters, <laughs> Jesus takes two chapters to answer a very short question. And he tries to explain to them when he's returning and when the end of the world is coming. And in fact, he gave the answer in chapter 24, uh, verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. You know what he was saying at the end of all of this, and at the end of this, and he even said in verse 13, watch ye therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour when the son of man cometh. What he was saying, he could have said that in chapter 24, verse 4. But he took two chapters to explain and give the answer. Here was the basic answer that he was saying. You don't know, I don't know, not even the angels in heaven know, and I ain't going to tell you. And here's why everyone wants to know when the end of time is coming. Because they want to live like they want to live. They want to live like the world. They want to live in sin until... If they knew an exact time, an exact date, and you say, oh, Brian, I wouldn't do that. Yes, you would. You would live as close as you could to the world and maybe in the world if you knew Jesus Christ was coming back on a certain day at a certain time. That's why it is an eternal mystery, and it will always be an eternal mystery. That's why the heart of this message and the main point I'm going to make to you tonight is you always have to stay ready. He said, you don't know. You never will know until it happens. So he leaves them with that question. And, and, and then they, uh, as they continue to, as he tries to explain this in this passage of scripture, in the verses that I read to, he gives them this parable. He says, okay, let me help you understand. Let me help you understand this just a little bit more clearly. So he gives them this story. This is actually, uh, this is maybe a story, but this would have actually happened in those days. This is actually the third phase of a Jewish wedding ceremony. There were three phases to a Jewish wedding, very briefly. Number one, there was the engagement. The engagement happened, actually, the parents would pick out your spouse for you before you were even engaged. Kids, how would you like that? <laughs> Some of you, we probably should have, but anyway, I'll digress. <laughs> so they would, they, would, they would have the engagement. That engagement was just as binding as marriage. Then there would come a, a time when, when the bridegroom would go away and he would prepare 
the wedding would prepare a home for the bride to, where he would come back, he would get the bride, take him to the wedding home, they would have a feast, a week-long party, and they would celebrate the marriage. This part that I'm reading to you is actually that third phase when the bridegroom is coming back to get his bride. And the, the custom of that day was there would be young ladies uh, that were referred to in this passage of scripture as virgins. They would go out and they would meet the bridegroom and they would start the party even before he got there. And so they would welcome him. They would uh, make sure that he knew where to go. Well, you know, they, basically they would meet him on the way there. And so the, here's the problem. The problem with this was they knew the bridegroom was coming, but they didn't know when he was coming. So they had to stay ready at all times because they didn't know exactly the day or the hour when the bridegroom was going to come. Now, if, 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 you, if, if you need that spelled out, let me just tell you what, like this way. The bridegroom in this passage represents Jesus Christ. Okay. The virgins are likened unto us. They were split into two different groups, the wise and the foolish. The wise were those that were ready. The foolish were those that were not. Simple as that. And so well, before we get into the, the main point of the message, we know three things for sure. Number one, we know that the bridegroom is coming back. Amen. He's going away to prepare a place and he is coming back. Number one, he's coming back. Number two, we don't know when he's coming back. And number three, there's a chance he could come at night. And the reason I say that is because they had to have their lamps trimmed and ready. The possibility that he could come at night. I would go even further as to say this. I believe God is, Jesus Christ is coming back when it's spiritually dark. Not necessarily uh, the hands on a clock or in the, at night, but what I mean is spiritual darkness. And if there's ever a time when our world, and especially this nation, has been in spiritual darkness, it's right now. What I'm trying to tell you is, we don't know the day or the time, but we know the seasons, and we are in prime time territory for the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, to come back. Our number one, our number one priority, our number one responsibility is to what? Stay ready. I'll give you some things about this passage of scripture the Lord laid upon my heart. Number one, I want you to notice the preparation. The preparation, these wise and foolish virgins, they, the lesson that was taught us here is we need to be prepared. Preparation simply means this. Using your now, excuse me, using your now to get ready for your next. You use your now to get ready for your next. You know why people struggle with now? It's because they don't have a next. They feel they don't have a reason to wake up tomorrow. They feel like they don't have any goals or aspirations set for them. They aren't ready to meet the Lord. And so they don't have a next. They don't have a future. They don't know what they're doing. But for those of us that are ready, for those of us that understand, we have a next. And the next place we are going is a place that's been prepared for us. Hallelujah. A place called heaven. And I have a next. So I got to use my now to prepare for my next. 
And that's why if you know you have an ex, if you know you have goals, if you know you're fighting for something and working towards something, that's why you're now. That's why you can make it in the now. It's because you have something to live for tomorrow. Hallelujah. How in the world can Mike McCoy and his family down in Crossville, Tennessee, how can they make it through the death, tragic death of six of their family members on Christmas night in a house fire? How can Mike McCoy and Pat McCoy and the Crossville Church, how can they make it? I'll tell you how because they got a next and the next is we've got a hope that goes beyond this life we are just strangers I feel preaching we're just strangers and pilgrims passing through hallelujah I'm not living for now I'm living for next and you'll find out even in life your life will be chaos if you don't have a next if you don't prepare If you don't prepare, my friend, young people, middle-aged, senior saints alike, if you don't prepare, your life will be in total chaos. It's easy to see when you go to a ball game on a Friday or Tuesday or Monday or Thursday, whenever they're every day now. It's easy to see what team's prepared or not, isn't it? It's easy to see what's done on the court or on the field is a direct result of the preparation or lack thereof before they get there. Somebody check your head. Kids, if you do bad on a test, more than likely it's because you didn't prepare. (laughs) You know why our pastor is the best preacher in all the world? Because he prepares. And if you want to continue, I don't care if you think you're the best preacher. I don't care if you think you're the best teacher and you can quote scriptures like George Holly. It don't matter. You still got to be prepared. And preparing ain't getting up Sunday, Saturday evening to prepare your lesson for Sunday morning. I'm busy preaching right now. Singers, I don't care if you can hit every note. I don't care. You still got to prepare. I'm lonely up here tonight, but I thought this is pretty good. You gotta prepare. You've got to prepare. If not, it'll show. Young ministers come to us all the time. They wanna know, how can I get my name out there? How can I get exposure? I feel like God's called me to preach and I wanna, I wanna get appointments. I wanna go and preach. We always ask them, do you got a message? Well, no, I'm waiting for the appointment to come. No, that ain't the way it works. You prepare. I guarantee Bub's here tonight. I guarantee if the Lord would have, uh, if he would have told us to let him preach tonight, you got a message, don't you? Always. One thing this man has taught me and my parents have taught me growing up, you never leave the house without something in your back pocket. You're always prepared. Why? Why are you prepared? Because something can happen. I've gotten a call, maybe I can count uh, on both fingers. The times I've been here for 18 years, that pastor's called me on a Sunday morning at 8.30. He's saying, I'm sick. I can't make it. Can you preach? And I say, yep, I'm ready to go. That won't happen if you're not prepared. Somebody help me preach. Talking about prepared. Boston Wolf, you here tonight? Where are you at? Stand up. I'm gonna embarrass you, he will, he will love me for this. See a young man back there? I guarantee, I'm putting a guarantee on it. Next year, he'll be one of the greatest long distance runners in this county, if not the state. Thank you, you may be seated. I'm embarrassed you really well now. You know why? I've seen him every day. 
every day since a junior high, don't matter what weather it is, he's running, he's running, he's running. Y'all, he had a goal to run a thousand miles in 2022. He ran a thousand and five miles in 2020. He ran from here to Tampa, Florida. You're gonna see those results in the next few months. Why? Because he prepared. You, you understand what I'm saying? And I guess what? Our worship at RCC is wonderful, but I guarantee it'll go to a new level if you come to church prepared for worship. Amen. Amen. And as prepared as you can be for the things of life and the goals you have, planning for retirement, planning to make sure your kids go to college, all this and that, making sure your businesses grow from year to year, make sure you grow spiritually from year to year. There's one thing you need to be prepared for and that's the most important thing and this is it, that Jesus Christ is coming back. You've gotta be ready. Prepare, prepare, prepare. The preparation. Secondly, notice the expectation. Verse three says, they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. They took their lamps, but took no oil with them. You know what, they, that's, this means, this, this is, falls under expectation. You know what this means? They thought that the bridegroom was coming. They just thought he was coming on their schedule. You beware. Young people, if you get into school, I don't care if it's Christian or not. If they teach you in theology classes and they put bounds on God, you know what I mean by that? They put God in a box. If you, and if a preacher tells you that if you do this and at a certain time this was gonna happen to you, listen, my friend, run as far away as you can. We as human beings cannot put a time frame on God. Amen. Amen. Excusing those on the pulpit, but televangelists will tell you, <laughs> if you send me $70, over the next seven days, God's gonna restore you 7,000 fold. You know what that is? That's a scam. <laughs> I got one better for you. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You know what you gotta do? Just give your tithes. And it's a great biblical principle that God will give it back to you. <laughs> if you give it to him with a shovel, he'll give it back to you with wheelbarrows. I'm telling you, that's the way God works. It's a principle. You don't have to give it to a man. And if a man puts boundaries on God, get as far away from him as possible. If anybody would tell you that at a certain time, a certain day, this is gonna happen. My friends, no, you cannot. You cannot give me the schedule of God. Why? Because God's not on a schedule. He does what he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to. We just gotta stay ready. They knew he was coming back. They just thought he was coming back on their schedule. Amen. Say, yeah. They say, oh, yeah, if you send me $100, then, then God's gonna give you a promotion on your job over the next 10 days. I got one for you. How about you just show up for work on time? And how about you just work? And how about you just do what they ask you to do? Employers, 
How many of you in here is going to give that person a promotion? Amen. You just do what you're supposed to do and do it hard and work hard putting your time. I guarantee a promotion is on its way. And guess what? You earned it. You'll just be $100 minus in the bank (laughs) if you do that. Well, you're liking that, so let's move on. Expectation, preparation. Third notice, the possession. Listen now, verse eight. And the foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Now, I had had to uh, repent, I guess, because I had preached this wrong over the years. I'd always preached it that they didn't have any oil. That's why they were foolish. But if you read that carefully, that's not what it says at all. They says, give us of your oil because our oil has run out. That means they had some oil. They just wasted the oil they had. I'm just waiting for you to soak that up. It means they had oil. They just wasted what they had. So these foolish virgins were not foolish because they didn't have oil. They were foolish because they let what they had run out. They wasted what they were given. Hmm. My friend, whether you realize it or not, the greatest possession any of us as children of God have is the blessed Holy Spirit that he gave us when we accepted him into our life. And when you use it for, when you allow that, this precious oil of the spirit to dwindle down, and if you don't stay topped off in the word of God, if you don't stay topped off with church attendance, if you don't stay topped off in prayer, my friend, you're wasting, you're wasting the most valuable possession that this world cannot give you, only God can give you, and that's the oil of the Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad for that great possession? Aren't you glad for that gift that he'd given us? How dare we waste the oil? But we waste it. We wait. They were burning this oil when they didn't need to be burning it. They were wasting the oil. Their possession. And that moves right into the fourth point. Their obligation. I've got to hurry. Their obligation. Also in verse 8. And the foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil for our lamps are going out. So here, you know this, here, here it is. The call comes, the bridegroom's coming. coming at mid, he, the call came at midnight. The foolish were running out of oil. The oil run out. They basically didn't even ask the wise virgins. They just told them, give us your oil. And so my summation is, if you're going to talk to somebody like that, you probably know who they are. Because I dare not talk to anybody I don't know that way. I don't even talk to anybody I know that way. Not that I know of. I hope not. But they were just basically direct. They were, they, they were saying, give us this oil. That's the kind of um, feeling you get from it. So they knew each other. No doubt they had a relationship with all 10 knew each other. But listen, their relationship did not release them from their responsibility. Their obligation was 
they were responsible for their own oil. And why should the wise be held accountable for someone else's lack of responsibility? Now, some of you, you're not going to like what I'm about ready to say. I am not responsible for your oil. Your pastor is not responsible for your oil. We have a responsibility. I need some help. We have a responsibility as pastors to feed you, to lead you, to disciple you, but I've got enough work to make my own oil full. I ain't got enough for me and for you. And so basically what a lot of people do is they live a life of negativity and then they take advantage of somebody else's graciousness. You know who I'm talking about. Not those, but somebody else, George Holly would say. Everything's wrong. They never have a good day. Everything's negative. It's always somebody else's fault. And so their lack of spiritual maturity, they want to blame on the pastor or on the church. Oh, I'm not getting fed. Oh, I love that. I love that. No, you go get your own oil. That's your responsibility. I am not held accountable by God to make sure your oil is full. My responsibility comes from preaching the word of God. It's your responsibility to keep your oil full. Amen. Somebody say amen. And likewise for somebody else. It's not your, your, your friend's responsibility or your parents' responsibility, young people. No, you go get your own oil. And here's the great news. Don, here's the great news. There's plenty of oil to go around. <laughs> Amen. It's my response. I have a responsibility as a parent and as a husband to make sure my kids and their oil is topped off, but I can't do it for them. I can lead them and I can help them and I can guide them and try to raise them, but it's their responsibility to make sure they're spiritually where they need to be with God. And my friend, I will stand before God one day for preaching the word, but you're going to stand before God if your oil's not where it should be. That's good preaching. I don't care who you are. Amen. They said, no, go buy for yourself. Go get the oil yourself. The obligation. Finally, notice the presentation. The cry came. The cry came at midnight. It didn't say that the bridegroom came at midnight. It just said that he, the call came, that he was coming. So here's, here's the predicament. The call was coming. The five foolish says, we ain't got enough oil. The wise said, you can't have ours. You go get your own. They go into town. They go get some oil. But when they come back, they found the door was shut. The bridegroom had come. He had presented himself. The five wise were there to welcome him into the marriage feast. And when the door was shut, notice this. Now hear me really closely. When the bridegroom came back, it was not an opportunity. It was a closed door. If you never hear anything I say, hear what I'm about ready to tell you. 
when Jesus Christ comes back, it's not an opportunity for you to make sure your oil is where it needs to be. It is a closed door. It was a delight for the wise that had enough oil, but it was denial for those that were foolish. And here's the premise of the whole message. If you stay ready, you won't have to get ready. Let's be standing. Howard, come. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Until the bridegroom comes, though here's the great news, that door is still open. And you're more than welcome to come and join in this wonderful marriage feast. My question to you is simply this. There's two types of people here. There's wise and there's foolish. He said, Brian, I don't like to be called a fool. The Bible says itself, a fool has said it. His no heart, there is no God. And you say, well, I believe there's a God. Well, why aren't you serving him? Why haven't you given your heart to him? You understand he has the power of life and death. And you simply just have to be ready for Christ to come. If you're not ready tonight, if you're not ready, if you haven't accepted Christ in your heart, if, you're, if, you, if your relationship with Christ is not where it needs to be, my friend, please come and get ready. Get ready. Because here's the reality of it. The call came a long time ago that he's coming. You say it did? Oh, yeah. He ascended into heaven one day. And there were two angels robed in white. And they said, this same Jesus that you see going up shall what? Come again in like manner. At that moment, the clock started. The good news is there's still opportunity for you. Let's take advantage of that tonight.